The Athletic. Hello and welcome to You Irons, the West Ham United podcast from the good people at The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney. Rashane Thomas, the Athletics West Ham correspondent, is with me as always. And we are fresh off the back of, what's that now? Third Premier League win in a row. Um, incredible times for West Ham, Rashane. How are you feeling? Well, it's some incredible time. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good. I mentioned, um, I'm a full-time for my tweet, that every week this team keeps proving doubters wrong. And I sort of sign off by saying West Ham could be one of the dark horses for Europe. Dark horses for the title, mate. We're six <laughs> points off the top spot. I mean, you know, we have played more games than a lot of the teams above us. But it's incredible. I don't know about you, but I still think, and it's not me kind of trying to be, it's not false modesty or anything like that. I still think that success for us is finishing in the top 10. I just want us to finish in the top 10. And so, although it's daft to say, well, we're six points off the top, what it means is if we're halfway through the season and we're six points off the top, then our chances of of succeeding in finishing in the top 10 are very high now. I mean, it would take a pretty, pretty disastrous run of results. I can't see this team uh, as going through that because this team win when they're in fourth gear as opposed to fifth or sixth gear, which is what we saw again against West Brom last night. And even when we have a, a very bad day, we are still hard to score against. So even if we do pick up injuries um, and go through a tougher run of fixtures, then I, I still can't see us just sort of collapsing, which is what any West Ham fan is used to seeing year in, year out for time immemorial. West Ham teams that eventually just collapse and implode. That, that's not going to happen on Moises' watch, is it? I agree. You know what? Yeah, the performances against Burnley and West Brom were particularly great. Still got the three points. In a year's time, when you look back on the season, we'll see three points against Burnley and three points against West Brom. And that's what we're doing. Each week we're proving doubt was wrong. Each week we're building something positive. And just touching on what you said earlier, top 10 would be great for West Ham. Considering last year when you know involved in a relegation fight, to finish in the top 10 would be amazing. So I think that's still realistic. We're above Chelsea. How much did Chelsea spend in the summer? unbelievable amounts right I mean it was one of the biggest sprees we'd seen in the last 10 years in any transfer window by a Premier League club they effectively went and bought two best players in the Bundesliga right plus a bunch of others best you know England left back a star of Ajax's you know all conquering team I mean it was an amazing spree and we are above them fair and square same number of games played I mean that is incredible when you think of what David Moyes has done I mean in one year we haven't even made any expensive additions Ben Rama you could say was the only expensive addition really properly expensive and we actually haven't even paid for him yet he's still effectively alone so what David Moyes has done is he's taken on the squad that was failing under Pellegrini and taken more or less the same set of players with two or three key additions that came in on relatively low money and has revolutionised a team. And I like the fact that we were unspectacular against West Brom and Burnley. We were the better team in both games, but we were unspectacular. Traditionally, watching West Ham means most of the time we're a soft touch. Once in a while we win by every player miraculously putting a 9 out of 10 performance in and playing kind of swashbuckling cavalier football and and pulling results out of nowhere, right? Which can be fun, but it means that most of your season is just watching us play rubbish. This West Ham team is like no other I've seen before. 
in that we are able to play kind of within ourselves, be organised, be professional. That's what David Moyes has lent to this club. He has added in just 12 months professionalism at every single level. The way we approach games even means that we do play within ourselves because we are mindful of the bigger picture and of the set of fixtures we've got coming up. So we're not attempting to go into sixth gear in every single game we play. I mean, it's one of the most remarkable turnarounds I've seen in any football club, don't you think? It really is. And just touching on from your earlier point about Chelsea, listen, I, I couldn't care less about Chelsea for obvious reasons, but I look at that team and like, they don't have an identity. I, I don't know what Lampard is trying to do, but when I look at Moyes, I'm like, yep, it's the formation. Even when Masiwaki went down, we still had a good plan B. you got players like Craig Dawson who's coming from the cold and is doing well, hasn't put a foot wrong. And even when he wasn't even in the team, you wasn't hearing Craig complaining to the media saying, oh, why have I come to this club? You know, I'm not doing well. you got players who've been out of form previously doing well for West Ham right now. Ben Rama, obviously we'd like to see him, you know, play more more minutes, but even he hasn't been complaining, still working hard for the team. That's all from David Moyes. That, what, that strong work ethic he's installed in the team. you got the coaching staff like Paul Nevlin, Stuart Pearce, Kevin Nolan, uh, Alan Irvin, all demanding the players to you know keep keep producing what we're seeing on a weekly basis, and and their managers are their own right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Their managers are their own right, and I feel like out of all of them, it's Kevin Nolan who's just always on it with the players, because quite often it's David Moyes and uh, Paul Nevin in the technical area. But if Kevin Nolan's not happy with what he sees, he's onto the players. Like, what are you doing? Come on, demand them more from Rice, demand them more from Souffal, and you want to see that. You want to see players not being comfortable, and I feel like with previous teams for uh, for West Ham, players have been way too comfortable, not challenged enough. And as you touched on, over the past 12 months, it's been just nothing short of remarkable what Moyes has been able to achieve. Throughout January, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts for less than £1 a week. Just go to theathletic.com slash westhampod to sign up and enjoy The Athletic throughout 2021. That's theathletic.com slash westhampod. Shane, let's talk about the ins and outs of the performance last night. Um, I thought decent displays by everyone. He experimented with playing Lanzini in number 10 role. Fornell's got a rest, Ben Rama on the left. I quite like Ben Rama on the left because he's a natural left footer, which Fornell's and the other people we tend to play out there isn't. And I think Ben Rama has shown promise and will only improve. So I'm delighted about that. Lanzini for me... Uh, other than that incredible, legendary goal against Tottenham, I don't think Lanzini has really contributed anything significant to a, to a West Ham team in two years. Um, uh, I know that's harsh, but if you really look at him, he doesn't play a killer ball. He doesn't score. He floats about. He flatters to deceive. He'll never play that ball or, or make that move of match-changing significance. He rarely even attempts it anymore. Clearly, he's just not been the same player since his injury in 2018. And when he gets picked in the team, I kind of, my heart sinks a bit because I think he might not have a stinker, but he certainly won't contribute anything in that extremely important position of the number 10 role. So I, I think that was a failed experiment. I felt bad for Four Nails, who always puts a great performance in. But I think that position just behind Antonio remains the, the one puzzle in the side that David Moyes has yet to solve. I agree as well, Sam. And I feel like with Lanzini, he's just too anonymous at times. 
you know, you sort of feel like, oh, Lanzini's playing today. <laughs> that tends to be the sort of reaction whenever I watch him play more, more recently. I'm happy he had that moment at Tottenham because although he's been struggling, when we're struggling, we'll, we'll, we'll bring up and say, oh, but he's got a cracking goal against Tottenham. So I'm happy at least he's had that moment to sort of fall back mm. on. But as you touched on, it's the one area which is struggling. Uh, we've, we've tried Andre Yarmolenko, tried other players, just hasn't really clicked. So I feel like that's someone we're definitely worth time I have to address. I think that uh, there were games, last night included, where we have failed to score as many goals as we should have done, basically. You know, we we basically, there are, side, there, are, there are games that we've actually lost, like against Chelsea, against Arsenal, even against Liverpool and Man U, where we should have um, been a couple of goals up at half-time. And in fact, we went on to lose these games. I think that's because we lack a killer instinct and I think it's when teams drop back against us and defend, we don't quite have that final ball. And it's largely because of that one position. It feels as if, despite the fact that we have a lot of attacking options, you've just listed a lot of them, feels to me as if we might actually need a number 10. That would be a position that I think we should look at. I mean, last night we ended the game with... Um, for nows sort of drifting into the middle a bit, which I think might be the solution. It might be Ben Rama plays on the left and for nows plays in the middle, at least as, as an option. But I think if we were to bring a player in, aside from the striker we clearly need, it, it might be that we need someone who's got that little, the, the I.R. Berkovich or Yossi Benayoun type character who can play that killer ball that no one sees coming. That is so true. The Yossi Benayin card, that's spot on, Sam. <laughs> Absolutely spot on. And yeah, yeah we, we've struggled because whenever we played someone number 10, we haven't really been consistent in terms of like providing assists or goals. Four Niles have been good in parts, but again, he, he's, as we touched on the numerous pods, like he's been wasteful on the attacking end. And for me, in terms of matches where I was so wasteful, it's definitely Burnley. That match, that match could easily have been 3 or 4 0 for West Ham. Wasted so many chances. Ogbonna, Bowen. Uh, Fornal, Lanzini, always a great opportunity to score. So, obviously we won and three points are fantastic, but on another day that could have been a different result. So that's the one area where I feel like as, as much as we've improved on the Moyes, that's the one area where we need to like uh, get much better in because you can't afford to keep being wasteful. It's just, it's just not a good look in my opinion. So hopefully we can address that in the transfer market. It's unlikely to be in this window, if I'm being honest, Sam. Most likely to be in the summer, but it's definitely something that West Ham should address in the future. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I think that for now it might be... I mean, let's move on uh, just briefly to, to the transfer situation. Because you look at the side and you think bringing a striker in is difficult when it's quite clear that uh, Mikel Antonio is our first choice. And whoever we buy is not going to be guaranteed a start in place. They're almost going to have to sit and wait for Antonio to get injured, which is not what a, a, a successful young player who's currently performing well for his team is, is going to be particularly motivated by that. He's going to say, yeah, yeah, I'll give up my first place uh, position in a team in the French or Spanish league to go and sit on the bench at West Ham. It's, you know, it's not the easiest of sells. Could it be, though, that we, we get a striker in and do offer them uh, starting position as our number nine and play Antonio in a, an ever so slightly withdrawn role. So he effectively becomes our number 10. I'm not saying Antonio is anything like a Yossi Benayoun or Ayal Berkovic kind of player who's going to thread that intelligent ball through. But he is someone who who does drop deep, who does get out onto the wings. He's very, very mobile. 
Um, what we kind of are looking for is a number nine who will just be in the box, just sniffing out chances, just finishing uh, goals off. Antonio does that for us, but a lot of the time, Antonio, I mean, he almost works too hard at times. He is like all over the pitch, isn't he? Maybe that could be the solution if we bring a centre forward in, that we play them with Antonio. Do you think Moyes is likely to ever try that? I don't. And my counter, my counter argument to that, Sam, would be if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because it's going so well right now in terms of Antonio playing as 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 in, in that lone striker forward role. Why why would why would Moyes want to tie and rejig it a little bit and play him in a redrawn role when he's doing so well? Um, one player at West Ham I have made a bid for and they're still hot for signing is uh, Seville striker Yusuf Najrai. Talks are still ongoing. We made a bid after the one uh, 0 win against Burnley, twenty two point five million bid uh, plus add-ons, four point five million add-ons. That's been turned down. But clubs still hopeful that they can get the deal over the line. And I've been keeping track of the amount of strikers that's been linked to the move to West Ham, Sam. And I'm going to ask, mm. can I have a rough guess? Rough guess how many strikers we've been linked to? Well, just linked as yeah. opposed to people we're actually known to have been. I yeah. mean, linked, it could yeah, be anywhere linked. up of like 20. <laughs> you're, you're off by four pounds, 16. 16 strikers right. West Ham have been linked to since then Sebastian Allaire to Ajax. Just remarkable. Remarkable. But out of all the players they've been linked to, I honestly believe uh, Yusuf and Nashua is the best out of all of them. 23, he's having the best season of his career so far. He's scored, 20, scored 13 goals in uh, 24 uh, appearances in all competitions. He's a player that fits Moise's profile, a young up-and-coming player who has resale value. He's left-footed. I don't think we've had left-footed strikers since Andy Carroll, if I'm not mistaken. So, all on paper, it looks very promising. My only, my only worry with this is, at Seville, he's playing Champions League football. Right now, West Ham can't offer him that. The bid West Ham have made is a hopeful bid, but Seville will definitely demand more due to uh, Yusuf being a great goal scorer for at the minute. So it's going to be one that West Ham will struggle to get over the line. It's similar to the, the deal we tried to do with uh, James Tarkovsky, and for whatever reason, we just couldn't get over the line. And a part of me feels like that will be sort of deja vu with this deal as well. Well, you know, the conspiracy theorists online suggest that David Sullivan likes to put bids in that he knows will fail and then get publicity around them so he can at least look as if he tried, which is the line that him and Gold trot out after other sort of unsuccessful transfer windows. I mean, it would be quite an elaborate ploy, but it does add up when you look at this bid when West Ham are said to have an absolute limit of 25 million. In fact, I thought that it was going to be less than that that we were looking to spend. When you look at the, the lad beer in, in France, could be as little as 10 or 12. Um, and we know we can't go up from that. And we know that this player is not going to go for 25. So why would we put in a £25 million bid unless it was for show? Um, there is people who think that is the entire strategy of David Sullivan before finally, in the final hours of the transfer window, just resort into bringing in Josh King on some sort of dodgy loan with an obligation to buy deal. Yeah. You know what? I was thinking longer hard about this, you know. I was like, surely not. Surely Gordon Sullivan can be like, oh, let's make a bid. You know, it's not, it's, not, it's going to get accepted, but, you know, the fans will see it and they'll be like, oh, you're trying to sign a player. But I was thinking, surely not. Surely not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, surely you wouldn't do that. But the only thing is, with this deal in terms of Yusuf, uh, Seville will be listen. They're trying to be smart, right? They're gonna look to sell him for at least forty million onwards. So the bid we made, mm. there's nowhere near that valuation. 
Considering Reyna who played 45 million for Sebastian Hale, yeah, we know it didn't work out. But I think, can you pay that much for Sebastian Hale? We have a striker who's way better than him, younger than him. Why are we going to sell him for much less? So, yeah, you, 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 could, you could see see why fans will say that. Now, the problem with transfer windows like this is that fans, like us, are just too keen for us to sign players. I mean, if you look on social media, people, they're so overexcited about us signing someone anyone that they drive themselves crazy despite the fact that this team is doing better than any West Ham team's done since 2016 right um uh, all of our players are playing well and here's the crucial bit there isn't a place in the team for anyone who joins us that's that's the that's the real killer here it's like you're saying this lad at Seville is playing uh, Champions League football we're not only not offering him any sort of European football we're not even offering the bloke a first-team place for a non-European team. Uh, so, therefore, what's the incentive for a decent player, a decent centre-forward, to join West Ham at the moment? The other thing is, is that all these players we're being linked with, I mean, you know, you, you like this bloke at Seville. I haven't got an idea about any of them. The first time I've heard of them is when they get linked with us, right? And even if I had heard of them, you can look at their stats and performances in these European leagues, France, Spain, Germany, but it means nothing. And we found that time and time again. We signed Haller for £45 million because the bloke had scored tons of goals in both the Bundesliga and the Europa League. It meant nothing. He just wasn't up to speed in the Premier League and we've had to sell him for a £20 million loss, right? And we've seen it all the time. We've seen a Jetty, who was a player who joined us with a goal-scoring record in the Champions League and was nowhere near good enough for the Premier League, right? Uh, Maiga, you go through a long list. Half of them I've forgotten, precisely because they're entirely forgettable players, right? Who we've Who have come in for reasonable amounts of money and done nothing whatsoever. Now... If West Ham don't have much money, which we know we don't, and we know that the, the climate due to COVID is going to make our financial situation even worse. I'm sorry to be boring, but is it really worth splashing money when the team is playing very well on a player who's not going to get straight into the first team? And even if he does, is not guaranteed to be up to the, the quality we require. I said it last week, a couple of people had a dig on social media, but I feel even more strongly about it now. You're better off going and signing a veteran of the Premier League who wants one last go, is happy to sit on the bench, but you know, although he won't transform us as a team, for now, he will always put in a performance. You will not see performances like the ones that Haller put in, where he looks as if he barely wanted to be there, right? I would say, bide your time in an, in an extremely difficult market, bring someone in, inexpensive who has got pedigree in English football preferably in the Premier League who you know will sit on the bench and do a job when called upon and then wait to spend the money the real money in the summer when you've got more time and it's slightly easier to line up legitimate targets I think it would be mad for West Ham to spend what little money they have now on a gamble I think a lot of supporters will agree with you, Sam. Well, not if you look at Twitter. Yeah. I think Twitter <laughs> yeah. is full of a lot of young West Ham fans who play too much FIFA and think it's just a matter of going out and signing who you want. Providing West Ham sign a striker this month, it will be the 50th forward the board have signed over the past 11 years. 
And listen, Sam, mm. we could be here until 2022 if we're to talk about the amount of strikers that fell to, to do well at West Ham. It's just a, 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 a remarkable list. It really is. And the thing is, right, I can sort of agree with Moyes of being like, yeah, we're trying to get this Yusuf deal over the line. But if it doesn't happen, we're not going to rush out and buy someone for the sake of it. Like, how many times have we done that over the past, what, 11 years at West Ham, even before he was in charge? Signed a player for the sake of it and they don't even do well. They struggle to fit into the team or they don't really take their chance. And the next thing you know, we sell, we sell them at a loss. Like, it's happened countless times for West Ham. And right now, I can sort of... When Arsene Wenger used to be manager of Arsenal, he used to always say, I, I used to club money as if it's my own. And I can sort of see David Moyes having that mm. sort of mindset for West Ham. He's not going to want to spend loads of money on the player if he's not, if it's not worth it. Especially now on these, you know, terrible times financially of a lot of clubs suffering because of the coronavirus. Why, why are we going to rush out and waste money for the sake of it just to bring in a forward? Yeah, we know Antonio's injury record isn't particularly great, but right now he's doing the job. If it, if it you know, goes terribly wrong and he gets, a, gets an injury, he can find a solution, possibly play... Um, Andrea Malenko on a striker role, possibly play Suchek in a false nine. There's alternatives. Although on paper it would be great to sign a striker, there's alternatives if the worst case scenario happens. So I sort of agree with Moyes in the fact that, listen, we want to bring in a striker, we want to bring in maybe another central midfielder, but if it's not the right personnel, we're not going to do it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What we keep hearing from the players, and Antonio said it again last night in his post-match interview, that the chemistry in this squad is amazing. The players are playing for each other. They like each other. There is a spirit. You have to be very careful, and this is what we as fans don't see. We see the stats or the on-field performances. What we don't see is these lads all work with each other day in, day out. And you chuck a new player into that situation where there is a great bond. And it can really disrupt things if they're, for, for whatever reason, their character doesn't fit in. You sometimes get lads who are a big time Charlie, or you might get lads who are just, you know, too timid to sort of fit straight into the atmosphere that's going on. Or you just get lads who are perfectly okay as individuals, but their appearance unsettles other people. So um, the classic example of that is, of course, Mascarano and Tevez turning up off the back of our great season where we got to the cup final under Alan Pardew. We wanted to push on. We signed these two Argentinian superstars and we thought, well, this is amazing. We're already a good team. This is going to take us to the next level. But what it did was it disrupted a side that had developed together since the championship, up through the Premier League, gone through all these amazing adventures in the playoffs and the FA Cup. And suddenly there was two superstars came in who Alan Pardew felt almost duty-bound to select. And so you were getting popular characters like Hayden Mullins being dropped because Mascarano had arrived or you had Bobby Zamora or Marlon Airwood having to be dropped because Carlos Tevez had arrived and it disrupts something and sometimes the spirit of a squad is just as important as the technical abilities 
We clearly have a great spirit at the moment, which is another reason to not just rush into a signing just for the sake of it. Because the other thing is, I say this to, to fans who, who are obsessing at the moment over Twitter and gossip and everything they can get to feed their sort of insatiable appetite for transfer news. Is It's like anything. The thrill you get from a signing is completely fleeting. It comes and then it goes. You know, a few short months ago, all of us were obsessing over Ben Rama arriving at the club to the extent that people were convincing themselves that all we needed to do was sign this winger from Brentford and all of our dreams would come true. The, the side would be transformed forever. Everyone felt the same thing when we signed Felipe Anson from Lazio, right? Or when we signed Sebastian Haller. At the moment we're about to sign them, it feels like the only thing that matters. You sign them, they play a few games and you move on to the next thing. Maybe they turn out to be good, maybe they don't. Most of the time they don't because it's very rare that any signing lives up to the hype that surrounds them in the build-up. Many ways, mate, it's like, you know, you, you might be out on the pool and the person, and you become sort of completely focused on the thrill of the chase. But once that chase is completed, you're bored and you're looking for the next buzz. And that is the problem with, um, with transfers. It's like a drug. People are going mad at the moment for players who they've never heard of. They might have at best seen a couple of clips of on YouTube and they don't realise it. we would be... You know what I'd like us to do? I'd like us to get someone in cheap or free, go and get King if we can get him for next to nothing since his contract is expiring anyway. Get a veteran, get whoever you need to come in. Last week I said Troy Deeney. I'll say again, I don't care if people <laughs> mock me because he will cost nothing and Troy Deeney is a player who we've only got half the season left. We've got about three months of this season left, okay? Troy Deeney will someone who will sit on the bench. But if if Antonio is knackered or he gets injured, you know he will come on and he knows what he's doing. He's got experience. He's not going to be overwhelmed or have to spend a few games getting up to speed, right? And he'll probably nick a couple of goals for us. That's one example. We could probably list others. I would like us to keep our powder try. And in the summer... I would like to see us go all out and pile this money plus whatever else we've got in the summer into making a proper bid for Danny Ings. You look at a player like Danny Ings, he's doing it for Southampton. He has done for a couple of seasons now. He's one of the most prolific strikers in the Premier League. Okay, he, There's a strong chance because of the contract situation he's in at Southampton that he'll want to leave in the summer. Um, but the truth is... He's very good, but is he good enough to attract the attention of Manchester City or Liverpool or Tottenham? I'm not so sure because I don't think he would get into those first teams automatically. Plus, he's not young, young. He's not old yet, but I think he's in his late 20s. And therefore, I don't think he's going to be a, a huge investment for the future to those big clubs. So, we, you know, he wants to leave Southampton. He wants better pay. He wants better contract terms. And um, I don't think a Champions League side are that likely to come in for him. I would say West Ham should be looking at that situation and think, he's exactly the sort of player because he is legitimately better than what we've got. You know, I'm not saying he's better than Antonio. I love Antonio to pieces. But w one way or another, Moyes would have to find a place in the starting lineup for Danny Ings. And I would be thinking more like that rather than just running out to spend what little money we have on some fella from Spain we've never heard of. Ings would be an absolutely brilliant signing. Absolutely brilliant signing. I'm a massive fan of Danny Ings. And mm. if West Ham could get like a top eight, top eight, top six, dare I say it, that deal could happen. Yeah. 
I can't see why that deal can happen. We'll have more money uh, in in the summer due to like obviously finishing high in the league. Danny Ings will look at it and be like, hey, Moyes is doing a fantastic job at West Ham. They have fewer people for next season. Why not go there? As you touched on, I'm not going to be the main man at Tottenham because that's Harry Kane's team. I'm not going to be the main yeah. man at Man City because that's Raheem Sterling's team, Kevin De Bruyne and so on and so forth. Not going to be the main man at Chelsea because they have about 10 strikers. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd be so, a squad player yeah. at any of the Champions League sides, right? The top, the biggest clubs in the country is going to be a squad player, Okay. He might not want to stay at Southampton. I'm assuming that we spe- we pay better wages than Southampton. Pretty certain that we do. And he would come in and be a main man. And, you know, he, he's an English lad. He's been around the England squad a bit. He'll, have, he'll, he'll know some of our lads, you know, the Declan Rice, Aaron Cresswell. I think that he's the sort of player you can imagine, you'd hope, coming in and adapting very quickly, both personally as well as on the field. And I, I think that's the real... I think that's the sort of ambition we should show. Like when we signed Dean Ashton um, uh, all those years ago, you know, where you don't just take a gamble on someone you don't, uh, you never know will it, whether they'll adapt or not to the Premier League. You go out and sign a proper proven striker who's done it before in the Premier League, and you just say, you know what, for a few extra million, it's worth doing because we know exactly what we're getting. And I think my stamp should be doing that right now. I mean, Listen. we are. Yeah. People worry about Antonio's hamstrings, and that's fair. We all do. I stay awake worrying at night, just like anyone else, yeah. Shane. I'm sure you do too. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not as worried as I was this time last year, where you're thinking, if we don't get some decent players in, we are getting relegated. We're yeah. not going to get relegated now. West Ham need to hire us as financial advisors because we're dropping absolute gems right now, Sam. Absolute gems. Yeah. And yeah, I agree with you. I feel like it makes sense to just... Look at the situation and be like, you know what? If we can't bring in the right personnel, let's just try and get someone on loan until the summer and then reevaluate the situation. Yeah. By then, I'm hoping that Moyes' contract, Moyes contract situation will be sorted out. He would have signed a long-term deal. Fabianski and others would have committed their future to the club. Ideally, would have got like a top 10 finish, perhaps an 8th or 6th place finish. And then you go from there, you'll be like, okay, now we can really push on for the following season. Now we can really bring in the right personnel to make West Ham reach that new heights. Because as we touched on in previous podcasts, this is a new West Ham. We've seen it on a weekly basis now. And I really see it come to fruition next season. I feel like that makes sense rather than, as you touched on, West Ham go out and sign a striker for the sake of it. And then it just all goes horribly wrong because we rushed out and didn't really do our due diligence. You talk about loans there, and it makes me think of Craig Dawson signing of the season, (laughs) not just for West Ham, but potentially for anyone, right? Uh, He's on loan, but I'm I'm hearing we could get him for as little as two million quid. Now, considering I would put him in the top six centre-backs on form right now in the Premier League, that's got to be the steal of the century. Surely what we do is nail that deal now, so we've got him permanently, and then free up a domestic loan position in the squad. Is that likely to happen? I believe the club will still rather wait until the summer for, in terms of Dawson. Right. And that's simple fact that we have a lot of centre-halves. There's Frederick Alvarez, who's been our only signing so far this window, the young uh, Danish defender. He's 21, if I'm not mistaken. You've got Issa Diop, you can't even get in the team. He's still an option. You've got Fabian Barbrena. Like We have so many defenders right now. So Obviously, Craig Dawson has been in fantastic form. I'm so happy for him. But I don't think right now it's a priority for West Ham to sign another... like. Uh, get it down to a permanent deal. I still like they're still gonna wait and evaluate the situation in the summer. 
Rashane, just lastly, let's look at um, you know a, a few more of the details of last night's game. I just want to say that um, what I really enjoyed about our first goal by Jared Bowen, who continues to impress me in every game, and I'm, I'm still convinced he, he, he deserves a place in the England squad before the end of the season. What I liked about that goal was that he scored it with his tits <laughs> and that's something you don't see so much anymore in, in the 80s and 90s when I was growing up you see it a lot because there was players with big boobs back then whereas now they don't have boobs so they don't use them so much but um, it was lovely to see wasn't it a player a score what I call a titted goal yeah lovely you got to see more of it in this era mm. and yeah just touching that I'm so happy for him I feel like he's definitely capable of scoring 10 plus goals a season Without a shadow of a doubt, it's the only thing of Bowen that's a bit of a frustration. You've got to get his head up more, got to find the right pass, make the uh, right yeah. decisions. But that, that will come with time. And I sort of tweeted that the Milky Bar kid strikes again because I wrote a piece ages ago, like a background on Jared, and everyone was like, listen, he was the Milky Bar kid during his time at Hereford. That's what we called him. So yeah, happy for him. And as you start, so definitely deserving of an England place uh, before the end of the season, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. He's on par with yeah. Harvey Barnes in that sort of role, but he's definitely, definitely deserving of a place. I think that, you know, that with, with Ben Rama on the left and Bowen on the right and Antonio up front, it's a very exciting front three. And the other thing I think is that Bowen and Ben Rama will only get better. And that's the other thing about David Moyes, is that you have faith that the players at his disposal will improve over time because they are coaching them properly. Ben Rama clearly needs to work on his final ball as well. He's got talent and he actually works harder than I think we probably expected him to. But I think, uh, you know, he's only going to get better. I hope Moyes keeps faith in him and keeps playing him because I think that with each game he'll improve and by the end of the season, we'll start seeing him actually um, be more de decisive in games. And uh, you know, uh, in terms yeah. of assists and goals, and I was gonna say that's why it's so good when it comes to signing young players because they're keen to learn, mm. they want to improve their game, they aspire to you know, hopefully, want obviously, we want them to be at West Ham for a long time, but we know realistically they're gonna potentially join a top a top four team in the future. But they want to do well for the time being. How many times over the years have we seen West Ham sign someone who's come for one last payday? Couldn't care less. Well, that's a bit hard saying couldn't care less about the fans, but not really buying into the system, not really buying into the way the club plays and the manager's ideas. And we're just picking up their ways on a weekly basis, giving it a half effort. But now we're seeing it with the, in terms of recruitment, players coming in, doing well, fighting for the shirt, being, being happy to play well, being upset if we don't play well. And it's a great thing to see. Uh, right, Rashane, let's wrap it up. What have you got um, for us to see in the Athletic coming up over the next few days? Well, first of all, listeners, I'd like to apologise because last week I said there'll be a piece of me, Paul DeBecco, and it was supposed to come out, but changed the plan, found out last minute that I'll be interviewing Julian Dix. So we had to change it a little bit. So I'm hoping uh, at some point, well, Thursday or Friday, there'll be a piece of me, Paul, and a column on it's a Diop on what next for him and his West Ham career. I was fuming about the fact that I felt you'd deceived me and the <laughs> listeners. So, but I, I'm satisfied now that you've made a public apology. Yeah. Um, okay, and next up, we have got Doncaster on Saturday. Um, I'm assuming we will play a decent side in that. Meepo seems to have been affected by um, COVID. So uh, I guess Antonio will start. Um, another narrow victory for me. I, I, I see it as another one, maybe two nil game. I, I'm more confident. I reckon it'll be like a three nil win. I'm actually confident for that match. I reckon it'll be a three nil win. I don't feel like West Ham should have any any fears in heading to that match. Fringe players will get an opportunity to do. I think Dan Randolph will start and goal. 
because if anything, I want to see the likes of Rice, Fucek and Obonna dropped. Not dropped, but rested rather. Because they've been playing so many football right now, you don't have the risk of yeah. injury. So I'd rather like they get dropped. If I keep saying oh, dropped, I'd rather they get arrested. Yeah. 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 Rested, not arrested. Oh, um, just lastly, we probably should focus on this more, but um, just just a quick comment on the Robert Snodgrass uh, situation oh, yeah. after Big Sam let slip, or maybe he did it on purpose t- <laughs> to excuse himself for the, the inevitable defeat he knew was yeah. coming, was that there was a gentleman's agreement between the clubs to not play Snodgrass uh, against West Ham, which is commonplace in loans, but when they bought a, t- a player permanently is effectively against the rules. Um, so the Premier League are going to look into it. I mean, do you have any sense of whether or not West Ham are likely to be sanctioned for this? Well, right now, the club have no comment in terms of what could potentially happen. I'd imagine a situation where, well, as Saladay touched on after, the Premier League will ask some questions and he'll discuss it with them privately. But I've been told, Sam, this is commonplace in football. Like This happens all the time. It's just a thing where... I Allardyce bet it does. Yeah, but Allardyce thing, yeah. dropped it in. Yeah. And I think it's because Allardyce, as we know from his time at our club, everything is about Allardyce and never the club. So Allardyce will be getting as many excuses in as he can before matches um, for, you know, possible defeats. And also at the end of the season as well, because he's so proud of his record of never having a club relegated. West Brom are in a very bad situation. I just think Allardyce didn't need to drop that in. I think he dropped it in on purpose because he wanted to line his excuses up in advance. <laughs> and you know what, Sam? If you look at the wording of the, of the tweet last night from West Brom when Allardyce said beforehand that Snodgrass Snodgrass what we playing, the club said Sam Allardyce has confirmed Rodgrass is unavailable. They didn't say the club can confirm. They're like saying, listen, this is Sam. This is Sam. This isn't us. <laughs> this is what yeah. Allardyce saying yeah, all, yeah, all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Why didn't he stick to the story? He's grasped up his own yep. club, the idiot. Yeah, and pro- and probably got us in stick as well. Anyway, we'll see how that develops. Uh, hopefully, it won't turn into a Sheffield United type situation. <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll be back after both. The, well, there's the Doncaster game, and then of course the Crystal Palace game on Saturday. So we're on Tuesday. So we will probably be back next Wednesday. Uh, looking back on both of those games, you can follow us. In the meantime, I'm at Delaney Man. Rashane is at Rashane Sport. Remember to subscribe to the Athletic for daily doses of West Ham news and great writing about football in general. Until next time, come on you irons and remember, ladies and gents, there's only one. Samasiabu. The Athletic.